Sometimes you get the impression that at least 90% of them are asleep. Especially at this hour, you don't want to disturb anybody. We're, we're, we're up. We're awake. Or at least we're up. But then on the other... But I don't want to get controversial here. At this stage of the game already, sometimes you feel like, though, Oh, there's great crowds of them out there that are still slumbering away. <laughs> and maybe they are. The other day, I'm standing along the sidelines, a great political rally, a big parade is moving past. Last week, thousands of people, guys standing up on the backs of open cars. Have you ever had the sneaking desire to stand up in the back seat of a convertible waving at a crowd? <laughs> yes, well, this happened to a friend of mine who inadvertently was driving along a side street and the next thing he knew, and this was in Tunisia, he found himself in a parade and they were throwing flowers at his, at his opal. And the next, of course, the next thing, of course, that happened was the attempted assassination, which we will not go into at this point. For every plus, there's a minus. But I'm standing in this crowd, and this was on Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue, one of the big streets in New York, and millions of people had gathered to pay homage to one of the great men of our time. And several of the great men of our time, in fact. And great crowds were roaring and cheering, and you'll appreciate this, Ted. And I'm, oh, oh, whoopee, wow! And I was swept up in the thing, you know, and I'm hollering, whoopee, wow! And the guys are throwing bits of confetti and all sorts of pieces of ticker tape and one thing or another. Incidentally, they don't even have tickers anymore, do they? There's a company in Oakland, Jersey that makes nothing but ticker tape for parades. It's printed all old stock quotations that are all high. But that's another story. <laughs> makes everybody feel nice and comfortable when it comes floating down out of the sky. <laughs> but but uh, I, love, I, love the, uh, I love the way these things are reported in the paper. A spontaneous demonstration swept New York City. And of course, for days before, guys are passing out great big bags of stuff to throw out. You know that, that along Fifth Avenue, Lower Fifth Avenue, they keep a permanent supply of stuff to throw out of the windows in case of an emergency parade that breaks out spontaneously. They break out the emergency rations. They don't want to be caught without any waste paper. So, Terry, if I ever, you know, I've often thought that if anybody ever emptied any of the waste baskets around here out the windows, there'd be some wild paraders. <laughs> Just a, a matter of a passing remark. But nevertheless, I'm in this crowd, and they're throwing and hollering and cheering and throwing paper and all sorts of things going on, and people blowing horns, and there's a kid passing out pieces of paper. And I expected the pieces of paper, of course, to be about the political candidate involved. And I get one of these pieces of paper, and I'm cheering the guy in the open convertible and the other guys in the open convertible with him. And the whole thing is going on, you know, the big hoop-de-doo. And I take the paper and I read it. Oh, and by George, I'm in the presence of truth again. And the old paper says, if you need advice, read this circular. Sister Anna Maria, special spiritual reader and advisor, card readings. See the woman who knows. That's the middle of a big political parade. I get this piece of paper. See the woman who knows. She comes from Egypt, born of miracles. Bring your problems to me. I will help you solve them. Advice on business, marriage, love affairs, politics. Are you facing difficult problems, poor health, money, or job trouble? Would you like more happiness, more success, and good fortune in life? Well, if you have any of these problems, others like them, dear friend, then there 
is a wonderful bit of news about a remarkable reader who is helping thousands to glorious new happiness and joy in their lives. Gives never-failing advice on all affairs of life, such as love, courtship, marriage, divorce, business transactions, all kinds. Never fails to reunite the separated, cause speedy and happy marriages, overcome enemies, rivals, lovers' quarrels, evil habits, stumbling blocks, and bad luck of all kinds. If you want true and sound advice, see Sister Ana Maria today. Tomorrow may be too late. Uh, reading half price with this ad. Come one, come all. By George, with the greatest political speech I ever read. Oh, Aunt Teresa's at it. And sure enough, you're going to come back here again. 
that she would go tearing out and down the stairs, and that would be the end of it. And poor old Uncle Fred would be in tow, like a like an awash dory hanging out of the rear end of the Queen Mary. And she would go tearing out. Of course, her problem psychologically went back to the year of maybe the year of the first great flood, when Aunt Teresa was ignored in favor of her younger sisters. And she has been nurturing this terrible, terrible grudge against all her sisters ever since, four of them. And so naturally, every time that it seems like things are going... You know, there are some people who actually literally resist enjoying themselves. I mean, this is not... This is an insult to suddenly find themselves actually enjoying. They look around... Well, this is Aunt Teresa, you see. And one of Aunt Teresa's favorite expressions was, and I'll never forget this because as a kid, it really rocked home. Because I lived in a world where people made blueberry muffins. And I can remember Aunt Teresa saying, among other things, Wow. It seems that in those days, there were great numbers of people putting their heads in the oven. <laughs> this is just a phrase. I never heard of anybody who did. But it just was a phrase that continually was popping up. And she would go tearing off down the stairs. <laughs> well, this is this is the this is the uh, the pre the pre-election syndrome. I mean, the, the head in the oven syndrome. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all tied up with. And and I can I can only say that that unless we have uh, unless we have terrible feelings of, of imminent disaster in our lives, our lives are, are worthless, meaningless. That if you lived in a plastic sealed envelope bobbing up and down in your own brine like an A&P store pickle. Uh, there would be nothing, it would be nothing, you see. You've got to have these things. And I'm, I'm completely gassed by these elections. They're wild. But the most intriguing thing that I've ever seen of the election just happened a couple of days ago. I decided to go to one of these gigantic rallies. And the fascinating thing is that all these people are hollering, Where are our friends? Where are our friends? Where are our friends? And they're hollering and all the, uh, one of the greatest lines I've heard funny. You know, before all these rallies now, the whole rally world has been, political world has been taken over by the showbiz people. No longer does a, does a candidate get up there and have a great philosopher recommend them. Uh, he doesn't call on, on Bertrand Russell. He calls on Ronald Reagan or somebody of this ilk. <laughs> all these showbiz people are up there before the, the main speaker comes out, the candidate. And one of the, one of the showbiz speakers, and they're always talking about how what they've given up to come here for us. And one guy, a movie star type, is up there, and he's talking about another movie star type, both of whom came east to appear in the rally. He says, well, I wonder, you folks, I want to tell you how wonderful it is, how, how Jeff came all the way here, I'll tell you, you know, he's traveled night and day, and the fascinating thing about it is that you, you don't realize what he's given up. When Jeff came all the way, he wore the same suit, I'll never forget, the same suit for 48 hours running. It's a two-day street, he wore the same suit, and he's talking to an audience of guys who haven't bought a suit in nine years. And they're all sitting there with not a dry eye in the house, by the way, when they hear this. What a wonderful thing he's doing, yeah. And that, that's when Ruby Queen gets up, and she is described as having, she says, she, you, you, you people don't realize why she walked for over two blocks on the street to come here. <laughs> Most of these poor clowns had come by subway, canoe, boat, kayak from as far away as Teaneck, swimming the river, hand <laughs> swinging from vines. She came, and is not, a, and the thing is that they're weeping. Be the first in your block, I mean, to get, I mean, what are you waiting for, child? I mean, what are you, Immediately following me the news, we're going to give you a genuine palm reading. 
Pepsi's light. Pepsi's bright. And every ounce of light, bright Pepsi-Cola refreshes with... Having, having 
having escaped from something. Who knows what this is about? But nevertheless, there it is. Now, <laughs> the, the, the things that, that have fascinated me about the most recent, this big thing, this political campaign, is how many people really are listening. How many people really honestly think about anything they hear? Uh, how many people are, are, are actually concerned, or is it a big game? Is it, is it just a bigger show? Is Nixon just a bigger star, let's say, than, uh, than uh, oh, well, he can't be bigger than Cary Grant, but let's say, is Nixon a, a, a bigger star than, say, uh, oh, Tab Hunter, let's say, He's a sort of in-between type. Where, where does Nixon rate on the star scale? I mean, do you think Nixon will ever make it in photo play? Uh, on the other hand, where does Kennedy rate, you see? The, the whole thing is it's a kind of a superstar. And so you go to one of these rallies and you find that one after the other, the showbiz people are up there. All kinds of showbiz people are saying, I want to tell you, friends, oh, I'll tell you, I, I, I believe that, that as an actor, it's, it's my duty, you know, folks. I believe it's to, uh, after all, actors are no different from other people. We're really not, friends. Uh, <clears throat> Thank you very much. There's a parade forming out here in front of just emptying the basket. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, save me a little ticker tape there, fellas. I, I might get carried away here. There, there, uh, thank you very much. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> oh, hello there. Oh, hi there. Uh, we, we, we're we're in, this, in the middle of this, this fantastic fandango, this, this, this beautiful, beautiful ballet that we take part in. And I'm sitting in the middle of a rally a couple of nights ago, and everybody is screaming wildly until finally the candidate, the candidate, comes on. And the most fascinating thing then began to develop. I'm watching the people when the candidate is speaking, and half of them are not even listening. Beyond the first few moments where they wanted to glimpse him, once they had glimpsed the candidate, once they had seen the candidate, their attention wandered quickly. And they're just sort of looking around and picking at their, you know, their face and pulling their hat down over their ears. They're waiting for the next celebrity to come on. They are tired of this celebrity. It's fascinating that the, that the, that the guy that comes on and sings this song, he gets on and he sings something like, uh, Some guy comes on and sings a real romantic song. Somebody else comes on and sings, sings a pop tune. Someone comes on and tells about his latest picture. And everybody's excited. And well, this guy can, he said, oh, look, 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 oh, the crying out, oh, there's, that, oh, apes, apes, hey, there's Ronald Reagan, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, that's it, he looks just like in the pictures, and they're all hollering, and then he makes his little bit, and then as soon as he gets to the point where he's staying just a little too long, their attention wanders, well, they treat the candidate exactly like this, and I'm beginning to wonder how many people in this world are asleep, I mean, what is, people are sort of, uh, are sleepwalking, they're, they're walking through a dream, waiting for the next big event to happen, the next big news story to happen. But all the things that seem to occur in the world are part of a gigantic script of some kind. I don't know what, 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 what in the world it could quite is all leading to. I don't know what I'm even trying to say here, except that there is a quality of profound unreality about so many of the comments. In fact, I'm standing in a crowd last night, and there's a guy with a big button on his lapel. And uh, he's he's hollering, waving flags, and so on. And by the way, he was he was mad for Kennedy, so he's waving, he's hollering, he's always oh, real mad because all the other guys are going past are for the candidate he doesn't like. So he's hollering, and he's got a big button. 
And I turned to him and I says, hey, I says, who are you voting for? Are you voting for Ike or Nixon? And, and he says, I'm voting for Ike. I says, he's not running. He's a tumble bomb. I'm a bums, you bums. He's voting for a guy who's running. And I begin to realize this is there's a wild quality of, of Alice in Wonderland that's, that's, that the whole thing is taking on a kind of gigantic fandango. It is taking on the, the, the aspects of a, of a sort of enormous square. Have you ever seen a square dance? Have you really ever seen a country square dance? I don't mean the kind down at the, down at the Roman Memorial Park in Central Park. I mean the real ones. Well, when I was a kid, there was a bunch of hillbillies moved in the neighborhood. And the knights were alive with hillbillies dancing the square dance in their living rooms. This was in the middle of the Depression when everyone was dancing a square dance anyway. It didn't really matter. I'm just a kid, and I can remember all night long. Oh, swing your arm, swing your life. Oh, mercy, nosey, 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 and they're going away there, and they're all dancing back and forth and making little squares and patterns and what kind of another. And one guy hands off the chick to the next guy, and the next guy hands off the chick. And they go round and round and round. And he says, Dozy do, dozy do, dozy do, and little girl behind him. Bing, 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 bing. And it goes on. And that was my first glimpse of how politics really are and, uh, and what, we're, what we're really driving at. But we're living in great, wonderful times. And as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I will say that uh, a large amount of what we seem to accept without even looking at, really, are, are the things which <clears throat> maybe 50 and 75, maybe 100 years from now, are going to be examined uh, for their real content. And much of this appears in the most serious newspapers. For example, do you have your Gothic music in there? Uh, anybody can dig up my Gothic. This has to go with the Gothic music. Uh, it, it, I'm torn between the desire to use gothic music and banjo music behind this because it has elements of both. But there in the New York Times, get this, right there in the New York Times last Wednesday, in the fact that Wednesday, November the 2nd, 1960, I clipped this out of the Times. It's a beautiful picture. There it is, you see. Ah, bring it out. That's gothic music, the sound of our lives. Marching through that great, great arched cavern, the empty cavern of our souls. Ah, look, <laughs> you have stained glass windows in your soul. Or you have picture windows. And there it is, Wednesday, November 2nd, 1960, the New York Times. A picture of a cutaway of a luxury fallout shelter is shown in those hallowed gray pages of that great journal of our world, the New York Times. And I don't mean this sarcastically. I literally mean that great journal of our times, the New York Times. I will read to you at the description of the luxury fallout shelter as displayed, let's see, four days, <clears throat> four days before a major election. A fallout shelter with wall-to-wall -wall carpeting, television, and scrabble went on display yesterday at the New York City Civil Defense Headquarters at Lexington Avenue and 55th Street, right in the heart of Babylon, right in the heart of the, the east side. Rents are high over there. 
55th from Lexington. The deluxe shelter is designed as a combination family room during peacetime and a family fallout shelter should war break out. The shelter is above ground. Besides television, lounge chairs, and soft carpeting, the room is equipped with shovels and a sledgehammer. <laughs> and on the carpet lies a Scrabble set. Whoever was playing had his mind on serious problems, the Scrabble player, for the set spells out Civil Defense Shelter. Civil Defense Shelter spelled out on a Scrabble board and a deluxe edition of a fallout shelter. What a, what a, ah, ticker tape. Real, the real stuff. Does anybody want any real ticker tape? We got plenty of it here. And by the way, all the stocks listed are high. It's gonna make it a lot easier to throw. <laughs> oh, one thing, one thing that, that, that surprises me, that makes me really wonder, what do people think it's going to be like in a fallout shelter when there is an atomic or nuclear attack going on. What television shows do they think they will be able to see? Can you imagine a fallout shelter with a television set installed? What dream world is this? Do they think that I Love Lucy is going to come through on schedule? Do they? Of course they do. They, they, they expect probably to see the reassuring face of a general on a TV screen during an attack. But, 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 I mean, there won't be anything. I mean, where? I mean, it, 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 makes, it doesn't even make electrical sense. Yes, all God's children got wings. All's got, all's got them big old dreams sitting down there in my deluxe fallout shelter with the TV set on playing Scrabble. Weeping out Armageddon. Now this is just one little thing out of, out of one paper and out of the same paper on the same day, another little note. We're living in wild, wonderful times and, and my only my only debt to society because apparently I have the mind of a chipmunk and the general attitudes of a, of a homeless squirrel that, that my apparent duty to mankind is to collect these things and put them into a hollow tree trunk for long, cold winter nights, you see, so that we can we can savor our lives, we can chew them. Because after all, that's all that an artist ever does. I mean, that's all that John Dos Passos ever did. That's all that Cervantes ever did, was to point out the way it was. Uh, here, here, uh, may, I, may I have uh, the, the sound, may I have the sound more of Gothic music? I will, I will read another note from the same paper the same day. This is the sort of thing that makes our time the, the wild, strange, discordant, beautifully harmonious, atonal, whipping, screaming in the wind time that it actually is. It's a, it's a kind of amalgam of everything. And everything is so much on the surface now. There was a time when things were hidden, put under carpets. Things perhaps were not apparent. But today now, the things which were hidden and put under carpets and thrown down the hot air registers on Monday afternoons when no one was looking become prime poetry, become prime revelatory visions of our time and our place. And the great, the great literary epics rise and fall. And so now I read to you a review 
of an artistic event of our time, written with beautiful, deadpan solemnity by the New York Times reviewer. Last night, some friends and other curious people gathered at the Living Theater where John Cage was telling some stories while David Tudor provided some accompanying sounds. Some of them were Zen Buddhist stories, some were about his friends, some were about mushrooms, and others were about none of these things. Some of them were amusing, some of them were instructive, but most of them were just stories. Each of them was apparently supposed to last a minute, but some of them were very long, and some were very short. So in order to get them all within the space of a minute, some had to go very fast, while others went very slowly. David Tudor sometimes hit the piano with a hammer, and sometimes he switched on a tape recorder or the radio. Sometimes what with the tape recorder, the piano, and the radio all going on at once, you couldn't hear the stories at all. But Mr. Cage didn't seem to mind. After a while, he read an announcement saying that coffee was being served outside, and some people got up just to get some, apparently. Mr. Cage and Mr. Tudor went right on, and may still be going on. The title of the event was Indeterminacy. Indeterminacy. New aspect of form in instrumental and electronic music. Indeterminacy is a concept and a term made famous by Werner Heisenberg, the physicist. I looked for him last night to find out what he thought. But he probably was still in Germany, where he lives. Oh, no, 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 just the next one. We are living in times. We are living in times that must be spoken of must be written about, times that must be choreographed, and certainly times that must be put into brochures and presentations, so that those who come after will be able to understand just a little bit of how it was. I'm walking along 6th Avenue the other day, and across my feet was blown a poster in solemn blue and stark white. And the poster reads, 1960, November 6th to the 12th, Cat Week International. There's a picture of a gigantic spinning globe that is dwarfed by the head of a gigantic cat. Excuse me, there's a parade going through the studio. Follow me and bring yo-yos. I lead the way to a new world. I won the Diogenes contest. Down with doubt, up with gullibility. Hail, men. Hail, paraders. Hail, all mankind. Down with doubt. With gold. Oh, by the way, how long has it been since you've been properly gulled, my friends? <laughs> you know that the word gullibility does come from the word, from the word gull? Have you ever heard, I'll never forget the phrase when I first heard it, it was a tall, thin, taciturn stranger who sat next to me on an l and Peoria local. He was wearing a black broadcloth suit, I recall. He crossed his legs carefully, looked me up and down solemnly with the eye of a man accustomed to such activities. He opened his mouth to speak, and immediately I realized that I was in the presence of a great 